listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer, sitting in uh, briefly for Stephen Henderson. Uh, Stephen is out of town, and he's hoping to join the show shortly. We're just trying to connect with him, and in the meantime, you've got me. So, uh, welcome again to Detroit Today. Really looking forward to today's show. We've got a lot of really great stuff uh, later on in the show. We're going to talk healthcare. There's a lot going on right now in the world of uh, you know of, of politics uh, wrapped around healthcare and healthcare legislation. Uh, the GOP plan, of course, moving through Congress, uh, starting to at least. It's now in the Senate. We'll see if the Senate is able to actually uh, come up with a plan themselves. We've heard they're starting from scratch. We've heard that they're, uh, some people saying they think that they'll pass what the House passed, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. But the really big question is, what will it mean for people right here in Michigan? That's what we will delve into. What's the history of the issues that we've had to face here in Michigan when it comes to health care? Will we go back to those same debates? We'll see. Uh, and, and we'll also talk to a couple of, of experts uh, in that field uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, but first, of course, also, if you're just heading into work or moving on with your day, you can hear today's full edition of Detroit Today on the Detroit Today podcast. You can download and subscribe on iTunes or wherever podcasts are available. First up, the Republican Party often uh, cites itself as the party of Reagan, but how has the White House changed since the Reagan administration? What was it like for journalists to cover that era of Republican leadership in Washington? Emery King, longtime Detroit news anchor, was there in the 1980s. King moved to Detroit to anchor the news with WDIV after leaving Washington. Now he'll join WDET weekend music host Anne DeLisi for an essential conversation on May 17th, a benefit for WDET at the Detroit Historical Museum. Ticket information is on WDET.org. And joining me right now is Emery King, longtime Detroit news anchor and Anne DeLisi, WDET weekend music host. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning, Jake. This is great. I'm, I'm really excited. <laughs> To have you guys in Thank here today to talk to about here. this. Uh, first of all, uh, talk a little bit about this event. It sounds like uh, it's going to be really interesting, and there are going to be a lot of uh, you know interesting conversations that could sort of you know come out of uh, this this conversation. I'm really excited to hear what it's going to be like. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having us on. You know, Emery and I have worked together uh, for 11 years, just about 11 years now, and during that time, you know, I've worked for Emery's production company while. I was doing double duty here at WDET, and um, I've heard so many incredible stories along the way, and I thought these are stories that people that know Emery and have uh, been experienced his work many years here in Detroit might want to hear. And so we wanted to launch this new series called The Essential Conversation, where we talk to people um, who have these stories to tell and do it in front of an audience. And so this will be the first one. And there is a lot of ground to cover because Emery has lived a pretty incredible life. <laughs> and so uh, I thought this would be not only fun, but informative. And because we have spent so much time together, uh, we thought I might be the right person to do this interview. We'll see, of course. <laughs> question, <laughs> so Emery is here. <laughs> the question is which incredible stories you're going to mention. <laughs> there are lots of them. Well, well let's, let's start. I, I, when, when I talked in the intro about covering the White House in the 80s, I mean, of course, we're hearing so much now about uh, what Washington is like. But, you know, talk about what it was like covering the White House uh, in the 80s. Oh, well, broad question. Um, yeah. uh, it, it was really, well, it was a heady experience. It was very, uh, I, I, I don't know what it's like to cover the White House now. I only know it as, as a person sitting watching it. Um, but the, it seems to me that there was more, more accessibility. First of all, the, the sheer numbers 
in those days, there were only three networks. Um, and CNN, when I went to the White House in 1980, CNN was in its infancy. So there were four uh, right. networks there. And so when you went, for example, on the North Lawn of the White House to do your stand-up, uh, you just had three little lonely tripods and, and, <laughs> and, and, and CNN there. Yeah. On right. the other side of the driveway where, where they are now, the last time I was in Washington, I, I walked by the White House, which is another thing. Then you could drive by the White House. Now you have to walk by mm-hmm. it. And there is a forest of, of tripods and cameras and right. lights and they had to move it on the other side of the driveway, replace the lawn with gravel, I believe. Oh, right. And it's, wow. I mean, there are just uh, so many people because of, obviously, because of cable network and, right. and everybody covers the White House. Yeah, so everyone gets a press pass these days, it seems no. like. I mean, no. uh, but what is what was the relationship like with the press and the administration at that time? I mean, right now it seems so combative. Did you feel like you had um, uh, sort of a, a mutual relationship and mutual respect that, um, you know, that there were certain lines that you wouldn't cross that, you know, that there were sort of unspoken, um, uh, you know, ways of, of showing each other that, you know, uh, basically not calling each other out like we're seeing now. Yes. To all of the above. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was just a different world then. And, uh, and the, and the, the other big thing was accessibility. You could, you could reach administration officials mm-hmm. much more readily than I can imagine you do now. So, there was just a sense of decorum, and there wasn't a day that I walked in the White House when I didn't, I didn't feel something stirring inside. Mm-hmm. My gosh, I'm actually walking into this place, and I have the opportunity to be here every day and to actually uh, see the president every day. Now, that doesn't mean I got to interact with him every day because right. you didn't, mm-hmm. but, um, but, there, but news, uh, news is generated pretty much— you you get information from a lot of information comes from Congress about what's going on inside the White House because mm-hmm. you don't you don't have that kind of access where you can you can just you know go in and be in his presence all the time the subject that you're covering but you can uh, but everybody's talking to everybody else and so you develop sources and I guess I should check my my question there a little bit of course it's our job as journalists to call out uh, the administration right. and there should be some push and pull there obviously but again it's that that question of um, you know, at what point when, when you're calling people in the media fake news and so forth, no. it seems like we've reached a different no. level now, obviously. No. And there was a daily game. It's a daily game of cat and mouse. You know, the administration wants to get its point across. The press is going after a certain story. But there was always a, a level of mutual respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't sense that now. Yeah. So so, so talk about um, your move to Detroit. I mean, uh, what, what was it like moving you're going from the Washington, being in that environment, and then coming to Detroit, and uh, you, you know, becoming a personality in the city where you anchor. Well, I wrestled with the transition from network to local television because local television seemed to be at the time to be so much more personality driven, um, and I was this kind of hard-nosed network correspondent who dealt in facts and looked for facts, but the personality was kind of suppressed. And then here I, I had to learn to, and I, I'm not, I, I, that was a very difficult thing for me to do. It still is when I'm in front of a microphone. I mean, I, people say, oh, God, you're so formal and you're so this and that. But, but I, I, mean, I think that grew out of a very healthy respect mm-hmm. for the function of a press in a democracy, a free press in a democracy. I mean, I, I always took that very, very seriously, that uh, we're here to inform and educate and engage 
shine a light in the corner and give voice to the voiceless and that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden you're at the anchor desk and you're expected to engage in anchor banter mm-hmm. with right. Chuck and Bernie. And, <laughs> you know, so that yeah, that that took some adjustment, but it was it was fun. Everybody was very nice, and 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 I, I think I made the transition all right. I, it, I grew to like it. Sure. And and what 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 led you back to Detroit? Well, on the personal, on the profession, on the well, which which do I take first? On the personal side, I never really adapted to the East Coast. I uh-huh. didn't like living on the East Coast. I'm a Midwestern kid. I was born and raised in Gary, Indiana. And I wanted to get back home, close to Chicago, where mm-hmm. I started my career. Um, there was not an opportunity in Chicago, but there was an opportunity here, WDIV. Um, and so I, I opted to do that because it got me that much closer to home. Mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to the Midwest, raise our child with my wife, which I did. So that was great. Um, and I was tired of being shot out of a cannon, living out of a suitcase, being on, on airplanes, several times a week traveling around the world mm-hmm. with the President of the United States, as wonderful an experience as it was. On the professional side, um, there was there, there, I, I grew to realize that I could only progress so far, I felt at the time, at, at the network level. And in my opinion, it had to do with race. There yeah. were only there was there was a glass ceiling, and there was only so far I could go. So sure. I think I probably would have been a well-paid network correspondent standing on the lawn of the White House or at the UN or wherever, wherever, whatever beat I happened to have and be paid handsomely. Yeah. But there was a limit, I thought. Is and he, so, Is and, that a limit that still exists, do you think, or is that, uh, has that changed? Uh, I mean, it, at least in your observations. In my observations, yeah. it still exists. Uh. Because when I look at TV and I look at who is, who is, <laughs> who's, who's sitting in the big chair sure. delivering the news, it's by and large white males, mm-hmm. um, um, by and large. Uh, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I, I can only imagine that that hasn't changed too much. Sure. Uh, and I want to ask you about you and your your relationship with Emery and, and how that sort of developed and, and sort of why you thought of him first as, you know, kicking this convers- this this uh, series of conversations off. Well, uh, I, the, <clears throat> excuse me, the night that we talk... I'll go into more in depth as to how sure. he and I uh, started. No spoilers. To, uh, how he started. <laughs> excuse me. How we started to work together. But um, suffice it to say, uh, I had had, even though I worked in radio as a personality for many years, I was uh, I was in management a lot. So mm. I understood how things worked, and I had a certain understanding of production and certainly broadcasting. And um, when Emery took the job as a communications director at the DMC. Uh, a year after that, he realized that he needed assistance. <laughs> and uh, we met, and we'll tell that story that night, and um, he said, well, why don't we give this a try? I need some help with my company. Mm-hmm. And so... I need somebody to organize my life. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was good at that. You know, I knew how to organize things, and um, I just knew how to do certain things that Emery needed at that time. But it's been such an interesting journey because there have been so many different things, you know, not the least of which uh, is his work with the Detroit Medical Center. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we'll talk about the fact that at that time, Mike Duggan was down the hall from us. So we saw Mm -hmm. him regularly and uh, (laughs) and interacted with him. Um, But uh, what it was like working on different projects, you know, um, not the least of which is a series called Bridging the Racial Divide. I certainly learned a lot 
about race in Southeast Michigan and how Emory uh, approached that was pretty fascinating. We'll certainly talk about that that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, in the, the promos that you heard, you know, he and I have had a lot of fun along the way. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. I mean, Emory's a very serious newsman, but he has got a wicked sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we laughed along the way, but uh, really took on some very serious things uh, during our work together. And like I said, Emory's got an incredible history here and, a, and a, an amazing life mm. of stories to tell. And that's what we're going to do that night. And so we hope that people will come. I mean, this is a benefit for WDET. Yeah. Emory and I can sit at dinner and talk about all this stuff. We're going <laughs> to talk about it at the Detroit Historical Museum on Tuesday, a week from tomorrow night, sure. uh, or a week from Wednesday. I'm sorry, a week from Wednesday night. And so we hope uh, that people will come out, and um, I, I'm excited about it. I really am. Uh, really quick before I let you guys go, I did want to get your sense, since you've both been here in Detroit for a while and, and have sort of uh, seen uh, how things have maybe changed uh, in, in, in the last uh, you know, many years, I, I want to get your sense of that. You know, we talked a little bit about on the national level what's been the, uh, you know, the, the shifts in the relationship with the press and the media. But I'm curious, you know, about the, the media landscape here in Detroit. What are some of your observations about, um, you know, how things have changed maybe over the last decade or so? Um, you know, what, what, is, what is different about being a local personality here in Detroit than when maybe you started? Well, I, let me be very candid with you and, and your dear listeners. Yeah. When I left news, I, I, I made a very clean break from that, mm-hmm. and to the point where, based on 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 some feelings that I have about how 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 news has been managed, I mean the management, inside management, bottom line mentality, mm. dollars, earning money, um, I got very disenchanted and I left. I didn't, right. and 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 so I I don't. While I carry that man, that what am I trying to say? While I carry that that. Um, moniker newsman and i've earned it and i very much appreciate it people tend to approach me and and they approach me as still being the news guy there are people who still think emory's on tv doing the news exactly (laughs) and who think my name is more crim yeah (laughs) still still certainly a recognizable name and figure here in detroit absolutely but but to answer but to but to get back to what you're saying and and (laughs) i think i think I haven't watched local television news much. Mm. I, I hardly ever watch it. Mm-hmm. No offense, the former colleagues, but <laughs> I've been I've been a little busy. So yeah. I, yeah. And I, I give, I'll let you yeah. respond to that. Well, I've I've been in a, uh, occupied a different space sure. than Emory right. has. You know, right. it's it's very different. Um, Emory's worked in news, and I've worked in music for a long time. You know, I will say this about Detroiters: when it comes to local personalities, they are so incredibly generous and loyal. Oh my gosh. Mm. And I have, uh, and I, I, I think I can speak for Emery that, it, it, you know, you could do this for decades and you do it in this town that you love. Um, and they typically love you back. You know, they're loyal. Mm. And, and I, it's not just with, you know, um, radio and, and TV people, but to their sports, to their musicians, to people that come here and work here. You know, it's amazing to me. They love you back if you demonstrate that you want to be a part of this community yes. and roll up your sleeves and really work to make it better. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I will say. When I There were a lot of people who preceded me in my business who came here to use it as a stepping stone to go somewhere else and right. fell flat on their face. Yeah. Mm. If you come here and you demonstrate that you really want to be a part of the fabric of this community and mm-hmm. make it your home, right. there is no place finer in terms of viewer loyalty. Mm-hmm. People just open their hearts to you. 
Yep. Yeah. And that's why I've been here for more than 30 years. Yeah. Oh, well, th- right. you know, that's I think that's a great place to end. You guys, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing this conversation, this essential conversation. Uh, it's going to be May 17th, a benefit for WDET with Ann DeLisi and Emery King. Ann and Emery, thank you so much Thanks, for, Jake. for Jake. joining us today. Thank you, thank Jake. You so it's much. nice, nice yeah. to be with you. Thanks. Thank you. Coming up, we'll talk health care. What does it mean here in Michigan if the federal health care law is overhauled? We will talk with Rick Pluta at Michigan Public Radio, as well as Marianne Udall Phillips with the Center for Healthcare Research and Transformation. That's coming up right after this.